Father, we do. We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, we just uh, want to say that you are a good, good Father. Father, we just, as we come together in this time, we ask that the Holy Spirit would just come and begin to minister to us, uh, begin to uh, enlighten us, give us revelation to your word, show us things that maybe um, seem to be hidden, reveal things to us that maybe uh, we have not seen before, and we give you absolute permission to correct us, to bring us into uh, proper understanding uh, and interpretation of the scriptures. We thank you for that now in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> um, we are on lesson 10. If you don't have, yeah. Make the youth announcement. Make the youth announcement. There is a youth announcement today. Oh, Wednesday? Yes. The, the youth are going back to Wednesday. So Al, uh, Adam had a um, uh, conflict with his scheduling. He was in uh, a, a schooling and he's not in that, so they're moving back to Wednesdays, which seem to be a little bit easier on some of the parents and all that kind of stuff. So those of you who've been praying, it worked, okay? So uh, st- that, starts, uh, that starts next Wednesday. So, all right. Um, we've been in lesson, we're in lesson 10, Identity in Christ Part 2. So um, last week we talked about... Um, the identity in Christ one, and it was just about like what happens to us when we become saved and uh, our spirits uh, are sealed up. <clears throat> a third of us becomes perfect uh, in the sense that our spirit's saved, our mind and our body, uh, not so much. If you were uh, short, you know, long-haired, uh, if you had wrinkly skin or if you had smooth skin, if you were tall, short, whatever it was physically, when you got saved, you stayed that way, right? So um, it, it's interesting because um, I'll just ask this. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to tell you that. Don't know. But did, and you guys can give me your opinions, did Jesus model to us what a redeemed and glorified body looks like post-resurrection? Okay, now you can't just say, I think so. You have to explain why. Why do you think so? No wrong, listen, and I'm not telling you that, I'm not trying to pull a fast one and say, ah, but the scripture, right? I'm just saying we don't have a lot of scriptural references. We do, and I'll explain that here in a minute. But we don't have anything that really nails things down for us. Go ahead, Miss Myra. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Okay. Okay. Now, when you say he went back to being a spirit, so he was not a spirit in a body. So you couldn't see him. You could see him. But like if you punched him, your arm would go through him? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I will say this. So kind of based on some of y'all's 
ideas, if you will. Yes, if you remember, when he appears to the disciples, he tells Thomas, hey, touch me, feel me, right? And he makes a statement. And remember, we're talking about Jewish culture and Jewish understanding. So when Jesus spoke, he knew, I say that, that the people he was talking to knew what he was saying, okay? So that's why sometimes he didn't have to explain things like we have to, right? Because when he would speak to them, they knew what he was talking about from a Jewish cultural standpoint, okay? But when he said, and he tells Thomas, he says, look at me. He says, you saw, you saw me eating, right? Does a, does a spirit eat? Da, da, da. And we go, well, that's meaning that he's not a spirit, that he was a, a fool. He wasn't saying, does a spirit eat like, hey, a spirit doesn't. He's saying, if I was just a spirit, right, would I need to eat? But he's going, look, I'm flesh, I'm, I'm bones, touch me, feel me, see. Like I said, you're not going to go through me, right? But at the same time, um, we're going to get into a little bit of this um, in the next few weeks, talking about third dimension, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth dimension, a lot similar to kind of what you're talking about. So these ideas seem strange, okay? Um, teleportation, um, how did Philip catch up, right? It says the Lord teleported him, translated him is the word that they used. So we're going to talk about some of these things, um, and, and I'll just say this. A lot of it is not um, church, but it's all Bible. Does that make sense? So we're going to be talking about things that are in the Scriptures, uh, but may, you may or may not have ever heard them talked about from a pulpit, all right? And it's going to be exciting. So we're going to, we're going to dive into some subjects that probably most would maybe shy away from a little bit, right? So we don't care. We're just jumping in. Yes, ma'am. Do you want me to tell you definitively yes or no? Is, is there any basis for that? Sure. But there's no scriptural that says, and when you get there, this is what's going to happen. We have to, we have to defer through scripture, right? So, and this is part of what we're going to talk about. Right now, the Bible says that we were made a little lower than the angels, okay? What does a little mean? Do we have restrictions? Etc., etc., and then we have to look at angels. What can angels do, right? And so we know, and that's what we're going to talk about when we get into some of this. That's what we're going to talk about. Um, when so we live in a three dimensional world, right? And um, I don't want to get into a whole bunch of this tonight because we'll be off topic and all that stuff. But so we live in a three dimensional world, but scientists will tell us, and when I say science, quantum physics, whatever, that there's 10 dimensions, and now they're even talking about maybe an 11th dimension, okay? So third dimension being we live in um, width, height, length, okay? What we can see and stuff. The angelic host and stuff live outside that. We know that God operates outside that because he's not restricted by time, distance, all that kind of stuff, right? He would have to be in order to be a creator of this world. You couldn't be of the world and create the world, right? So he's outside of it. And it gets kind of, and like I said, don't want to turn it into a, uh, science class, if you will, or anything like that. I mean, there are some things that while we're here on earth, we may never know. And what I mean by that is that God says, my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Now, that has become a catch-22. If we don't understand something, we just go, well, God says, no, 
He wants us to know. But there are some things that we go, man, I don't know. Your point, transport, I don't know. I mean, I would be foolish to say, oh, yep, definitively, here's what's happening. I think we can look at the angels. This is where we go, okay, no biblical understanding that I know of. I'm open to someone being like, well, right here it says, right? But we can defer that the way we were made, the way God intended for us, yes, we're going to be, we're going to be using all of our mind, if you will, right? Um, and so those things are going to be um, new to us and unique to us. But at the same time, we, are, we do know that we're going to be learning because the Bible tells us in John that this is eternal life, to know Him. We're going to get to know Him, right? So there's going to be things that we're going to be taught there. We're going to be instructed still, but it's going to be in a much different um, time frame, if you will. Like it's, there, there was to be no time, right? I mean, how long is eternity? Anybody? A long time, right? I mean, explain that to your four-year-old or whatever. How long is eternity, Dad? I don't know, that's your mom. I don't know. You know? That's, that's a hard concept for even adults for us to, to wrap our minds around. So, but we are going to live forever. Amen? Yes. Yeah. And like I said, I mean, that's why I'm asking, did he model for us what a glorified body looks like? Yes, sir. He became So, so to your point, and, and, and you guys understand that on Wednesday nights, we can have um, this kind of dialogue, right? And there's, it's not a, well, you're wrong, I'm right, right? So the Bible tells us, though, that we're going to have a new body. So Jesus would probably have had a new body. Well, but when he ascended, they saw him go up, and he didn't, he didn't transfigure in that arena. Good point. That's a good point. So could we say he was all body and all spirit? Yes. I mean, do you see how, like, when you start going, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I mean, this is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be... Now, I don't... I personally think that sometimes we say, I can't wait to get to heaven because I'm going to ask God about this, right? Do dinosaurs really roam the earth, right? I think when you get to heaven, you're not going to care about it. And if you do, it's like, oh, there's a dinosaur, right? I mean, the, who, right? Sometimes we say things like that. Um, and, and please, if you've said this, don't take this as condemnation or anything. But we've all had loved ones that have gone on or whatever. And we say, man, I can't wait till the day that I see X. I can't wait for the day that I see him. Right, and then all the other stuff, right? And that's where it's like, okay, and we're going to talk about um, kind of some bad doctrinal issues, and, and there again, we're not trying to bring condemnation on anybody, but when you die, you don't turn into an angel. God's got all the angels he's, he needs. He's already made all the angels that he's going to make. They are not creating any more angels, sort of. 
I'll let you stew on that a little bit. <laughs> Are you saying, I didn't say nothing. And we're going to tie all this stuff in. And we're going to talk about some of these things because has anyone ever studied angels? Does everyone know that there is hierarchy in angels, in ontology, angelology? And it's probably more than you ever thought there whatever was. Okay. Well, we're going to be talking about some of this stuff on Sunday. Um, it's important for us to understand not only the hierarchy, because God's a God of order, but it even, you have to, you have to go to the fact that every angel was created by God, including the devil and all the fallen angels. They have a hierarchy too. It's the same hierarchy. All right, um, but they, they chose. The yeah, they they chose a different place. Um, they they chose a different path, if you will, and it cost them. Um, but we'll get into some of this. I, you guys seem like you're kind of hungry on some of this kind of stuff. So, I uh, I'm telling you, y'all pray for your pastor. Um, because they have free will. I know, I get it. I'm even I'm I understand too. Yeah. Um they all don't live in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing. Let me just say this, that you can't have, let's just call it love, without choice, okay? God created these angelic beings, and he gave them jobs, okay? And somewhere in the process, which there's some evidence of where it took place, they got on the wrong path. Which brings us right into our message today. <laughs> a lot of things that he's talking about here in this identity in Christ is talking about righteousness and like what is righteousness, right? Um, how do we how do we define righteousness? And we all have the Christian ease part of it, right? The Christian ease is oh, we're in right standing with God, or He has made us right to be in right standing. But sometimes words require us to dig into them deeper to understand, like, what does this mean, okay? <clears throat> most all of you know that most of our study, um, we're studying from the Hebrew perspective, okay? Remember Jesus spoke, um, there's, um, there are some, not conflicts, there's some disagreement, let's call it that, that Jesus, what he spoke, did he speak Hebrew, did he speak Aramaic, did he speak both, did he speak... Um, what, right? Um, I'm going to contend that for probably for the most part, he could have, could he have spoke whatever he wanted, yes. Um, he probably more spoke Hebrew than even Aramaic, okay? <clears throat> and what's interesting is um, there are a lot of, you know, there's a lot of messianic rabbis uh, and even theologians that believe Hebrew is the language of God. It is the language that God created for his people, 
um, to talk with him and he to them, right? So when I said Jesus spoke in Hebrew, he also spoke in Hebrew idioms. And that's why when he would say things to people that were around him, they knew what he was talking about because the culture understood that, okay? Um, let me just say this, and this kind of was a revelation. I was like, that's a very good point. I need to, to express this. <clears throat> All of our Bibles that we have are what we call translations, right? They are not interpretations. It's up to us to take the translation and interpret it, okay? But what do we interpret it to? We interpret it back to its original source. The closer you can get to the source, the more um, specific and the more correct you can get, right? So um, whether it's the ESV or the King James or all that kind of stuff, right? And here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not upset um, because you read the King James Bible, okay? Um, but do we even know how the King James Bible came into being, right? So the King James Bible did not have 66 books in it. It had more. And King James tossed some of them out, right? And not only this, but your King James, he, didn't, he wasn't even a believer. But thank God that he saw fit to print a Bible that the common man could read, right? I mean, there was a lot of things. He, he bragged that he never took a bath. Ladies. <laughs> it goes back to, you know... Um, some of you um, older and more mature people, you remember when your mom used to say, uh, don't go to bed with your hair wet, you'll catch cold? That's where that came from. Because back in the day, um, if you caught pneumonia, it was like a death sentence, right? And a lot of people thought it was from taking baths at night and stuff, right? So he was like, nope, not going to do it. So he just didn't take a bath at all. I mean, you probably just scrape stuff off of him, right? I mean, of course, he was a king. It's not like he went outside and worked a lot, right? So, huh? Does that make him a Yeah, no, I, I think he, no, he was, his whole thing was that, no, he did not take a bath, right? So, what else, let me make this point like this way. <clears throat> Do you think it would be beneficial if, um, let's say, Isaiah writes his book, Isaiah, and then he puts out another book, which is a workbook companion of, here's what I meant by when I said this. Would that be pretty helpful? So that's what we're talking about, translation and interpretation, okay? We have a translation of this Bible, and then we have to go interpret it. Here's the, here's the kicker. The Bible says it's not open to any private interpretation, right? Well, that's not the way I interpret the Bible. It doesn't matter how you interpret the Bible. You have to interpret it the right way, right? And because people don't interpret it the right way, we have factions and denominations and all this kind of stuff, right? Now, let me just say this. If there, there are certain points that you can get wrong and still be right, okay? What I mean by that is, number one, none of us understand this thing 100%, all right? Um, but the good thing is, is that collectively we can come together. And I was just talking uh, to a gentleman about this, that can I say this? Most, not all, most pastors probably have a ego side of them. This is why I say I'm glad I'm pastoring at 53, 54 and not 35, okay? Because I would have had one of those egos. That I don't want you to tell me something that I don't know because I'm supposed to know it all, right? Tell me something I don't know, right? Show me. Challenge me, okay? And so 
if we look at it from that way, we can just we can go to the corporate world and look at that. You've got a CEO of a business. He doesn't know everything, but he's making major decisions, right? So what does he have? He has people under him, and he says, hey, where are we at on production? Hey, maybe he's trying to make a financial decision. And he goes, hey, come here. Where are we at on our labor costs? Are we good? Okay, what about production? So he gathers this information, and then he makes a decision, okay? Same thing here. As we study the Word together, we may come just like what we're talking about. Okay, Gary, the problem is is that we want to be like hot-headed Middle Easterners and say, Gary, no, there's no way that, you know, and we take that offensively, right? But in their culture, remember we talked about the marriage covenant, there was a lot of table slapping, right? There was a lot of spirited debate. Um, if, you, if you think about Middle Eastern descent people, and they'll tell you. I, I listen to this guy on YouTube, and, I'm, and, and I like some of the things he says. And he even says, he goes, I have a problem because I'm a Middle Eastern. And I, you know, sometimes I get fired up. It's just in my blood, right? Yeah, yeah. You got a little Middle Eastern in you, don't you? Yeah, I've seen her. <laughs> Why? Yeah. Come on, I've seen better calls in a phone booth. Um, not that you argue with the refs or anything like that. Yeah. But what I'm saying is that when we have these kinds of things. So Sunday, obviously, is a different setting, right? People are coming in. It's like a lecture hall on college day, right? But Wednesdays are more like, hey, what say you? What, what questions do you have? Let's look at this. If I don't know, let's, let's search the scriptures. Maybe we don't have time. We'll search it. We'll come back. Let's talk about it, right? So that's why I'm saying this, this um, thing that we're in may take us longer to get to the end. I'm in no rush, all right? If Jesus comes back before we get done, it's okay. It's okay, all right? If we need to stop and take a break and go somewhere, okay. Right? We're in no rush to get anywhere. So, righteousness. Um, as we're looking at righteousness, um, he goes on to say, um, the second paragraph, um, he says, let me tell you a few things that takes place when a person receives Jesus in their life. Ephesians 4, 24 says, put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So let me ask you this. So when we see that, I think we're bad. And when I say we, the Western church, okay? Can I just say this? Y'all hear me say the Western church a lot. I, I, that's the only church that I know, okay? I've been overseas a couple times. Uh, I say overseas. Out of country a couple times, not overseas. Um, I have some overseas friends that are, you know, African or whatever. And so... We can talk about some of these things, but, but what I'm saying is, is that for the most part, all of us in here um, have a Western understanding, okay? And we have not necessarily always done the gospel justice, all right? We are um, stubborn. <laughs> we don't know what, it li- what it's like to live in a kingdom, so what it means to have kingdom mentality. So we're having to renew our minds to that. Uh, when the king says, hey, it's mine, and you go, Sure. You know, or, hey, I don't want you to just, well, I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. I can, you know, okay. But that's what happened with Satan, all right? He got a little too big for his britches. And, and he, was, um, he was judged swiftly, all right? Um, you'll probably hear this again, but I do believe that uh, the judgment that was put on the fallen angels is one of the reasons that they're hacked off at us. Uh, because they were not given a second chance, and we are. When we make a mistake, we have a second chance. They made a mistake, and it wasn't. Now, God laid the ground rules down, okay? They knew. 
what was going to happen. It wasn't like it was an unfair thing, okay? Right. Um, fair point. Um, I don't know if I can answer that, you know, exactly. Um, don't have anything. We see a little bit into say we'll we'll talk about some of this later on, but we see a little bit into his mind, so to speak. Um, like I said, when we start getting into the Nephilim and things like that, some of these things are going to become a little bit more clear. Um, that like what was going on at that time. Um, however, let's think about this for a minute too. We're going to find this out. Um, so God has orders of angels and they have very specific duties. Okay. Um, just so you know, um, there are three angels, um, that we call, uh, third heaven or first fear and they are the cherubim, seraphim and the throne angels. All right. Their entire job, um, with little, um, exception is to minister to God. That's all they do. These are the ones that are talked about in Ezekiel and Isaiah, and it says, and they had four heads, they had six wings. Uh, the seraphim had six wings, uh, two to cover their feet, two to cover their eyes, uh, and two to fly around. And they had eyes everywhere, okay? Now listen, <laughs> if you think you know what these things look like, you don't, all right? I mean, there was a reason that some of these angels, when they come to earth, they said, fear not, <laughs> okay, <laughs> you got a duck to get in here, okay, okay. I mean, so, um, so the throne angels, right, um, they're, ho they're these rings of fire, right, that are just buzzing around, and it looks like there's fire inside of them, right? And so now I'm going to challenge some of you to, to chew on this uh, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, the Bible says that the throne angels, all right, there are throne angels there, and we read the scripture, and it says that our king sits upon the throne, we think it's a chair. They're throne angels. How does he travel? How does God travel? We see it in Ezekiel. It says he came riding in on a seraphim. These cherubims, we see it on the Ark of the Covenant with their wings stretched out like this. Most of the time, cherubims are in twos. They mirror one another. They protect the presence of God. Like he needs protecting, right? <laughs> I said, this is a horrible illustration, but it's like a mob boss, right? How do you get to the boss? You can't. There's so many layers, right? But these cherubim are protecting the presence of God, and they have strict orders. So when we read the story of Uzzah, and he touches the ark because the ox stumble, and the ark starts to tip, Right? And he puts his hand on it. Who slays him? The angel. Because he has very strict orders. And he understands his job. I'm protecting. The, do not touch the presence of God. I mean, it seems harsh. Like, just wiped him out, man. He was just a... Stop. <laughs> this is God's order. Right? And so when we see that, we really need to, we need to look at some of these things too and, and go... Man, God, you are so good. I'm, I'm so glad that you kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. Why? Because he is a God of his word. He said, this is what the consequence is going to be. And if you do it, here's what's going to happen. And guess what? They did it. And he didn't say one, two. <laughs> he said, 
right? And so this is one of the instances that we see. And there's some, there's some um, not discourse, kind of depends. So you have a, you have a Christianum or Christianity view of angels, and you have a, a, a Judaism view. It's a little differing. There are some hierarchies, okay, a, little, a few changes in some of the hierarchy. Can I say this? It has nothing to do with our salvation, okay? And what I mean by that is, well, if you put this angel here and this angel here, and you got them backwards, you, look, let's understand, let's try to understand what we can based on the scriptures. If somebody's got this one here and this one here, I, I, all right, I'm preaching my stuff on Sunday. Stop it. Stop you. I, no. Hallelujah. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's fascinating. I'm telling you, I feel like I'm drowning sometimes because I'm just like, oh my goodness, where did this stuff come from, right? I mean, like, it's just like, where's this been all my life? So, righteousness. Talk about righteous. He says that um, you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, let me say this. We say some things in Christian, Christendom, Christianese, and we say things like, um, so we've talked about this. How many agree that the Bible says you are made in the image of God? How many agree? Okay. You should hold your hands up if you don't. Okay. Um, now, the Bible also says, though, and we hear people say this, well, we're all children of God. The Bible does not say that. The Bible says those who believe in Jesus... He has given them the right or the privilege to be called sons or children of God. Completely different, okay? But you see the world saying, well, brother, you know, you've got, you know, people out there that are uh, pro-Palestine, right? And they're going, we're all children of God. No, no, that's not what the scriptures say, right? We're not the same. So... When we look at this, we've got to dig in and go, okay, what's happening here? So, I said all that to say this. So, you're a sinful person. You have not accepted Christ as your Savior, okay? Even that sounds blasphemous in some circles because they say, you can't choose Christ. He has to choose you. We'll get into that later, and we'll talk about that, and we'll, we'll, we'll mesh all that out, okay? How that is not necessarily a right understanding of the Scriptures, Okay? You want, me to, you want me to wax your brains? All right. I'm going to ask you this. I'm just going to leave it. And we're going to go. Was Judas saved? Uh-huh. Okay. So you've... Huh? Well, I understand. I do understand that concept. And it's, it's true. That we, not, we did not have the idea of salvation. Right? Okay, let me ask you, let me ask you this. <clears throat> was Judas on his way to heaven? He 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 betrayed Jesus. Huh? Now wait a minute. Was Jesus take him in the triumphant procession? Do what now? Say it one more time. Huh, okay. Was he promised a throne in heaven? Judas? He talked to all of his disciples and said, you're going to sit on 12 thrones with me. Boy, I just opened a can of worms. I'm leaving it right there. I'm going to make you chew on that for a while. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, listen, here's the thing about Scripture. We have got to be in a position that we keep, and when I say open mind, I'm not talking about what the world talks about, all right? I'm not talking about sitting and chanting and opening your mind to all these things, but we have to be willing to say, man, could I have possibly misunderstood this scripture? Holy Spirit, if I have misunderstood this, reveal this to me because I want to know. That's a dangerous prayer because if we're not careful, we'll stay in our traditions, which is, um, um, help me with the word, uh, not existential, but um, it says the devil spread his lies throughout. Yes. With our misunderstanding. Yes. So if you can keep people confused and it says don't rely on your understanding, you need to read the scriptures. Yes. And, and hand it over to, to Jesus. Yeah. And to your point, so excellent point. So here's the thing. But when we read scripture, are we reading with the tradition? that grandma taught us? Or are we reading scripture for scripture? Now here, you, you can hear some of this too. Um, uh, solo scripture, right? Let scripture interpret scripture. Sometimes we'll say, and I'm just using a very bad example, but, you know, well, you know, brother, cleanliness is next to godliness. Show me that one. <laughs> First hesitations, 512, all right? But, so we say things sometimes in, in a traditional understanding, but we're not truly letting the word manifest itself in such a way that it challenges us, okay? And that's what I'm endeavoring to do. Some, I, I'm a, so there is an idea, there's a rabbinical way of teaching which Jesus taught. Most of you know he answered questions with questions, right? And there was also times, too, when he would say things, not... not um, Jesus didn't say things wrong, but the rabbis would tell their students um, something that was maybe not completely factual, right? And see how long it took them to search this matter out and be like, wait a minute, Rabbi, you said, and it was a method of teaching, okay? Sometimes we all know in here, probably without exception, that we learn sometimes of our best lessons at, at, the, at the failure end of it, right? <laughs> it's not when we succeeded at everything, it's when we made a mistake, right? Like you end up cutting your finger off and stuff, right? I just had to do that. <laughs> We're going to pray for you, brother. Had a little run-in with a saw. Meat slasher? Potato slasher. So, yeah. I was, he was fighting a bear. He went out in the woods. He was fighting a bear. Yeah, You ought to see the bear. <laughs> Toothpicks. But what I'm saying is that we have to be willing to be challenged on our beliefs. I, I believe this, and this is my opinion, that one of the reasons we don't share our faith is because we're not really convinced of what we believe. We're not convinced of that. <laughs> and that's a good, that's a very good thing to have. I mean, so I need to learn that, right? It's like, oh, no, I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should have. Yeah, right. And, you know, we, and good point. We, we've come up into, uh, look at society nowadays, right? So if we go back just a generation or so, and what I mean by that is, you know, like our fathers or maybe grandfathers, they got involved in people's lives. And what I mean, they saw somebody on the side of the road, they would help them, um, if somebody had trouble on the farm or whatever, they would help them. They knew who their neighbors were, that kind of stuff. We've gotten so far from that because we have allowed the culture to dictate to us. What do we say? Well, I might get sued. So the Bible says if somebody takes you to court and sues you for your, your clothes, give them your coat. 
I mean, we can't let the culture dictate to us how do we live. As a matter of fact, we're supposed to be influencing the culture, right? Because we're supposed to live so different that they go, who are these people? If we read the scripture, we'll understand that we're going to be persecuted. I'm not going there. We're going to talk about that Sunday. <laughs> Stop it, Eva. You're just baiting me. <laughs> You're baiting me. Yes. Um, it also, just in the sense, too, of, of us living so, um, so fast-paced. You know what I mean? Uh, technology is a part of that. Um, things, life can get in the way, right? Everybody, I hear this all the time. People say, well, I just don't have enough time. You have the exact amount of time that everybody else does. You have 168 hours a week. It's up to you to prioritize it and use it the right way, right? And that means, yeah, the things that you, you say, well, it's just not important. Well, it is because you took the time. You took, you had 168 and you subtracted out X because, right? Um, now, obviously, we know that we're going to spend roughly about 40 of those hours sleeping, all right? Some more, some less. So we still got 120. And then you get down and you go, well, I got to work, okay? I'm not, I'll just say this too. In my opinion, I'm not convinced that how we work is how God wanted us to work. Exactly. I agree. Yeah. Everybody that works 40 hours says, yes, amen. <laughs> I think that's part of a demonic plan to get us uh, enslaved, if you will. Yeah. Yes. My grandmother used to say this. I didn't understand what she was saying. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. I'm like, well, that's a dumb saying. And then I got older, and I was like, that's a really right saying. <laughs> if it can't make you bad, it'll make you busy. You'll, just, you'll be so busy, you, don't, you won't be effective for the gospel, right? Um, every one of you in here, without exception, has a sphere of influence with a group of friends, whether it's one, two, or 200. God has put you around people that you have friendships with. And if you will listen... He will direct you in how you should be talking to them and sharing the scriptures and that kind of stuff. But like I said, in most of our circles, we want to just argue. I will study the Bible to argue with you. That's not what it's for, right? I, I'm okay with people that come and say, hey, I don't understand this, or, or well, I believe this. Okay, show me. If it's in the scripture, let's talk about it. And, and here's the thing. I'll even be... Um, I, I, I told y'all, had a Jehovah Witness come to my house one day and knock on the door, and they began to share things, and, and I said, I tell you what, if you can convince me with the scriptures, I'll believe it. Well, right here, and, and that was the part I think I told y'all, that she was saying that when Jesus was talking um, um, in, in John, and he's talking about the greater things that you'll do, he was only talking to his disciples because they were around him. And he said, I tell you this, that even though you've seen me do these things, greater things you're going to do, right? And she said, so this you here, so the church thinks it's talking, he's talking to them too, but he's not. He's only talking to the disciples. And so she's talking, and I could have just stopped her right there and said, that's the stupidest thing. You're a dumb woman, right? I didn't. But the Holy Spirit quickened me and said, hold on to that. I said, okay. So she went on. I was respectful to her. She made her spiel. And so later on in the conversation, I said, well, let me ask you a question. The Lord said, now ask her. And, and so I said, let me ask you a question. Why are you here at my door? Like, did God tell you to come here? Oh, yeah. I said, you can prove that in Scripture. 
Yeah, right here. Look, in Matthew 28, she goes to the Great Commission. And Jesus said to go into the nations and pray. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. we got a problem. She said, what? I said, according to your logic in John, he was only talking to the disciples. He wasn't talking to you and me. No, no, right here. I said, we got a problem. I don't know how you're going to solve it, but we have a problem. You cannot cherry pick verses, take them out of context, not understand the contextual meaning of what was going on, and then this build a, a denomination or a, a theology or a doctrine around that, right? You can't do that. We have to allow the scripture. Here's what we've done, and all of us in here has probably done it at some point in time. I'm not saying you're doing it right now, but at some point in time, <clears throat> we have changed the scriptures to fit us instead of allowing the scriptures to change us, right? We are to conform to this, not the other way around. So sometimes I've had to change my understanding and my theology based on the scriptures. Ah, are you serious? That's what this means? That means I got to change this, this, right? That's the beautiful, that's the beautiful part of it. Because Jesus said, yeah, you're, you're going to conform to what I'm telling you to do. This is how my kingdom operates, right? So in this, we're a sinner. I don't believe that <clears throat> when we talk about having this God-shaped hole inside of us, that's not the Spirit of God, okay? None of us have um, the Spirit of God inside of us when we're born. We're born into a sin nature. What happens is when we receive the Lord, it says that the Lord gives us His Spirit, okay? So it says that we become a new man after God is create, or, uh, put on the new man. So how are we to put on the new man? Well, our spirit gets born again, if you will. So there again, in Christianese, we say that. So it's like God takes this spirit and flips it 180 degrees or whatever, and it becomes new. No, he's giving us his spirit. Now, you can, you can debate and you can go into some... Um, really technical things and say, well, the Bible says that if you don't have the Spirit, you can't have life. That if God's Spirit isn't in you. Listen, it's God's Holy Spirit that is giving us life right now, right? At some point in time, the Holy Spirit's going to be removed from this place, and it's going to get really ugly really quick, okay? So yes, God breathed into all men, so to speak, through Adam, and created life. So we're born with this sin nature spirit. When we say yes to God, we get this new spirit. It's created new. It's just put on the new man. And it says, <clears throat> excuse me, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now we've got to do a deep dive. What is righteousness? What is true holiness? So righteousness, does anybody want to take a shot at righteousness? Let's just... Right standing with God. Standing with God that is true. Okay, I agree. Anybody else? I'll say pretty much any time you know the will of God and you perform what pleases him. Like, you don't hear, I don't hear anguish from God, but I just know what I'm supposed to do. Okay. Like, you know, oh, I had to do that. You, are, you, are you saying, like, um, would it be fair to say, um, you said, I don't hear him in English. Maybe spirit to spirit? Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, having that thought. I just remembered I had to do it. Right. Can, it, can we say it on the good and the bad side? 
like, for instance, um, you're trucking through life and something happens and you do something that you know that's not pleasing to God, right? But it's like you go, oh, man, I missed it. Well, and, and that's what I'm saying. So if we, if we understand what, if we, if we understand that we have a spirit, okay? So we get this new spirit, okay? And God's a spirit, right? And these spirits are communing to one another. We actually, in our spirit, we have a homing device, if you will. That, that thing wants to, wants to go back to God all the time, Right? And when I say that, it's not like we're walking around and, you know, like two magnets or whatever being drawn together. But our spirit should desire God's spirit because God's spirit's desiring us. It says that he's a jealous God, right? That he doesn't want to share us with anybody. And we say, well, that's wrong. We're not supposed to be jealous. The Bible says we shouldn't be jealous. Stop. There again, words mean something. And remember, in the Hebrew, words can have a negative and a positive depending on how they're used, how they're connected, okay? So, when he talks about jealousy, it's, it's like a husband and wife thing, right? I'm jealous like I, I don't want my wife with somebody else, right? That's, that's not right. It's not a good thing. That doesn't mean that she can't talk to a, another gentleman or whatever, right? We understand proper relationship. I'm just saying, he's saying, I don't want you with any other gods. I don't want you messing with any other gods, Right? I'm jealous for you. Why? Because our spirits are communicating. They're communing. That's what we're supposed to be doing. To your point too, yes, righteousness means that we do the right thing. How do we know what the right thing is? Well, the scriptures. The scriptures tell us, hey, this is the right thing to do. It, yeah, it gives, us, it gives us instruction on what happens if a brother brings you know, uh, an accusation or a fault or whatever, right? Okay, how do I do? Here's what we do. We go to that brother. We talk to him, right? I say brother. I'm talking about men, women, whatever, right? We go, we talk to him. We say, hey, so let me ask you this. If there is a righteous way that we're supposed to be, is there an unrighteous way? Okay. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's take that right there for a minute. So, there again, can self-righteous, and what are we talking about when we say self-righteous? And here's the thing that we don't do. We don't stop for a minute and define what words we're using. What do you mean when you say self-righteous? Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. So, if we're saying, saying self-righteous in the sense that we have to self-correct, then yes, we have to look like we're talking about. So... I realize I've done something that's not pleasing to God, right? I've, I've you know, hurt somebody, um, whatever, okay? I can, it's up to me to be like, oh, wait a minute, that's not... Now, I can rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction to me, right? To say, hey, that's not really how we're supposed to handle that situation. Ah, oh, man, I missed it, right? Or we can talk about self-righteous in, I am my own righteousness, I can stand alone. I don't need anybody else to... That's not 
a place that we really probably ought to be looking at. That's why I say when we get into the Western understanding and we start talking about men that are talking about, well, I'm my own man, right? I'm a self-made man. I, you know, I did my own thing. Well, you better be careful because they're, again, talking about pride. Right? can come before a fall, right? But it can also seal over some things in your heart that will cause you to miss opportunities that God's putting before you, Okay. Yes. We don't know the word. We can go back and think dead in the flesh, we're being carnal, but that still doesn't mean we're not righteous in God's sight. We're still righteous, but we we don't want to So let's look at this. So when we have um, when we have a um, when we have a word that doesn't have an absolute concrete meaning, okay? Um, the word black. That's pretty absolute, right? Um, the word dog, right? Pretty absolute. But when we start dealing with some of these concepts like righteousness and things like that, we may see that there's not really hard, concrete uh, definitions. So then what do we do? Well, we have to go look at the word and say, okay, what was, the, what was the original understanding of this word? What was it used normally for, Okay. And then if we can't find out from there, then we go, okay, how is it being used elsewhere? Is there any uh, synonyms that we're missing or whatever? So we have to, we have to go dig a little bit. So, <clears throat> so the word that is uh, used sometimes, righteous, um, um, well, let me go here. Let me, let me just start with this. So th- this guy points out, for example, uh, the word barak which in the Strong's is number 1288, it almost always translates as bless. But it's an abstract word. We need to find um, that it's being used in a more, we need to find where it's being used in a more concrete manner. Um, so we say, well, in Genesis 2411, it means to kneel. This gives us a more concrete picture of the word. The problem with the word um, is that, uh, or excuse me, the problem with the word uh, sadik which is uh, Strong's 6662, is that it's never used in a concrete matter. So this is, it's talking about um, 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 Sadiq is righteousness. So it's using blessed as an example, and it says, okay, if we go back to righteousness, Sadiq is never used in a concrete matter. It's, a, it's one of those words that has some kind of fluidity to it, if you will. So what we have to do next is we have to go and compare it to where it's used and what was the context in the Scripture. So if we go to Psalms 32, it says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. So the Hebrew word here gets translated um, yasar, which in the Strong's is 3477. It's translated as upright, and it's parallel many times in the Bible indicating that the Hebrew mind, that they were similar in meaning. Upright is another abstract word, but it's used in concrete matters such as in Jeremiah 31 where it means straight as in a straight path. So then they start going into Hebrew poetry. Let's look a little bit further. In Hebrew poetry, we see some, uh, some other things that go on. So in this, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Psalms 37, we see the negative side of it. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. So here we see this word wicked. 
There again, y'all remember me talking to you and telling you that in the Hebrew, not every time, but most of the time, all the words build on one another, right? So we talked about Hamas. Hamas means evil, um, um, uh, evil violence, okay? So you have the, the He, you have the Mem, and you have the Semech, okay, in, in the Hebrew, those three, these, those three letters. So when you see those three letters in another word, sometimes there's a root to it, okay? Um, for instance, um, Asar is a king or a prince, a, chief, a chieftain. Uh, Aserah is, um, Asera is a princess or a chief princess. So do you see where God changed Sarah's name to Sarah? And so now we have this woman of great faith. Right? She, was a, she was put in a position. When God gives you a name... It is, um, a, it's a huge thing, okay? In the Hebrew, names mean everything. It's who you are, right? And we saw people that were named ter- terrible things, like, right? But then God would come in and change their names. And sometimes he wouldn't because he knew that's who they were. What was Jacob called? The deceiver. <laughs> he was called the deceiver because he, he deceived his father for the, for the birthright, Right? I mean, their names mean something. I'm, I'll just open up another can of worms and make your kid go, right? So we call him Satan or Lucifer, and neither one of those are his name. Lucifer was given to him by the Babylonians. Satan is a title. Actually, the Hebrew for Satan is Ha-Satan. It's a title, okay? God stripped him of his name. He took his name away from him. He, he took his identity if I could, well, I don't have a, here, here's tissue. So you'll see what I'm talking about, and you may hear this again on Sunday, or a Sunday. I don't know if we'll actually get to this Sunday. So the Lord looks at this name, and he says, I'm taking your name from you. He blotted out his name. We know any scriptures like that? There's no name there. Almost like you're dead to me. He kicked him out of heaven, and I heard a teaching on that. That's what caused the cataclysmic, the dinosaurs and all that earth change. It was such a sudden change. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, and some of these things are going to be those things that we're going to have to be like, yeah, you just have to chew on them like a piece of gristle. I don't know if you'll ever get it broke up. You know what I mean? You're just going to have to be, oh, okay, and just chew on it, right? But there are going to be some things that are going to be very, <coughs> excuse me, eye opening, and you're going to go, oh my, I did not know. Just case in point. Um, how many knows the scripture that says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against first is rulers, principalities, and power, wickedness in high places? You get, a, you get a preview of Sunday. One of the hierarchy of angels is principalities. One is powers. One is dominion. So what's he telling us? 
We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against each other. We're fighting against angelic host called principalities, which would be like middle management and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. And you've heard me say this before. If you translate that out, it's talking about governments, okay? And then you have the angels, the angel host. Does anybody know who the head angel is? Close. God's angel. Who is God's angel? Okay. You ready? You ready? Yeshua. In the Old Testament, everywhere you see the angel of the Lord appeared, that was Yeshua. That was, that was Jesus, pre-incarnate. Everybody's going, wait a minute. Go home and look it up. <laughs> yes. Usually you'll see lowercase and angel. And when it says an angel of the Lord, it can have a multiplicity of meanings. Context tells us what it is. Was it, sometimes it means the host of angels, an angel of the Lord, like there was a host of them there. Sometimes it can refer to, um, typically speaking, lower level angel. Um, but, but yes, but anywhere you see in the Old Testament when it says, and the angel of the Lord, that's who it's talked to. Who did Abraham talk to? He talked to the angel. Go back and look in your Old Testament and start looking at these stories, and it says that the angel of the Lord appeared and they fell down, and he did not tell them, get up. Everywhere else where angels appeared, they said either don't fear or they tried to worship. They said, whoa, 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 whoa hang on, don't do that, right? Unless they were deceiving angels, fallen angels, and their whole job is to get worship, right? They want worship. So there again, just a freebie, all right? So maybe I can get a little hook in your mouth and bring you back Sunday. Um, yes, to, to some degree. So to your point, and you've got to stop this. You're dragging me into this. <laughs> my, my Lord, my Lord. So, there is another group of angels that are called Elohims. How many know that that's that's the name of God? But Elohim just means of a spiritual nature, okay? So, God has a couple of names that he goes by. And what I mean by that is that Yahweh, we understand that he told um, um, the Israelites, Moses, he said, well, who who am I going to tell him? He said, I am. That's where we get um, Yahweh, but also Adonai, okay? Now, the Jews do not want to say his name because they, they say it's holy and it's profane to say his name. That's why you see in some Bibles it says G with a hyphen D, right? Um, or you'll see uh, Jehovah was another name, but it, there again, Jehovah was more of a descriptive term, okay? But a lot of them, if you read any kind of Jewish uh, understandings or whatever, they say um, Hashem. Hashem means the name is all it means. Okay, and so when we start looking at these things and we start looking at these angels and all that kind of stuff, you're going to see that there are angels called Elohim. All of the archangels, um, there, are, there are a lot of angels that aren't named, but when you get into the archangels and stuff, they all have El name, meaning they go back to God. They are Elohim descendants. Okay, they're created by Him. All right, and so... The only one that was not created, which obviously was Yeshua, who was there at the beginning. 
But he is like, so you've got God who is at the absolute top of this thing, right? He is the commanding president, whatever you want to call, the most supreme, right? And then right under him, you have Yeshua, and under him, you have all these others, right? And all of these others were created, okay? And so we'll, we'll get into some of that. So we see that righteousness, based on the word usage, um, if we start seeing a different picture here, yes, it means to be in the right standing with God. It means to, have the, to do the right thing. But it's talking about a straight path, right? To be righteous is to be on a straight path. And it goes on. So we see um, Rasha, Rasha, which is uh, the wicked, which is a, uh, in opposition to righteous. And it is Strong 7563, if you're writing these down. Um, uh, while the word wicked is an abstract, we can find its concrete meaning in the verb form, um, rasha, which means to depart in the sense of leaving God's way. Psalms 18.21, for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. So now we have a few clues in the meaning of um, sadiq. And so it goes on and it talks about, here's the thing. This is really cool. So the ancient Hebrews were nomadic people. Now when we hear nomadic, what do we, what do we think? People are just wandering out in the woods, right? No. Nomadic means they were mobile, okay? So... They traveled a circuit through the wilderness, followed the same path from pasture to pasture, campsite to campsite, and watering hole to watering hole. Anyone leaving this path can become lost and wander aimlessly. One who has departed from the path. So who is the unrighteous? Those who depart from the path. You can even go technically and say it's those who never got on the path to begin with, right? Because they couldn't be on the path if they never got on the path. But those who get on the path and you say, are you saying that if I veer from the path that, that I'm going to hell? No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying you are working in unrighteousness, right? So we got to be careful, too, that we don't throw baby out with the bathwater. What I mean by that is this. So we believe that we're not under the law. But let me ask you this. How many things that murdering and lying and stealing and cheating and stuff is wrong? Then you believe you're under the law. We've misinterpreted what that means. We're not under the law in the sense that we're striving to get something. We're not, we're not not going to murder and I'm not going to lie and I'm not going to steal because I want to get this, right? We can't do it. That's why Jesus had to come, right? But when I get saved, I'm saved by... Guess what grace is? Grace is the empowerment to do the righteous acts. I can't do this on my own, Lord. And he said, I know. That's why I sent you a Savior. And he's going to give you the grace to do the righteous acts. Because everyone in here at some point in time said, I'm going to kill that dude. I'm going to kill that woman. Right? And we go, no, that's not the right thing to do. Right? And so we get the grace, the empowerment, not to do that. Right? I know that's kind of a bad example. I'm just saying. So, so if we know what that is, and we know that it means to depart from that, and these ancient... Uh, Hebrews were nomadic, but yet they still followed this same course. They were mobile. They moved. But, I mean, think about how crazy it would be for them just to go head off in the woods when they knew, hey, uh, 20 miles down the road, there's another watering hole, right? Now, remember, what are they doing? They're feeding their sheep. 
right? They're grazing their goats and their sheep and, you know, their camels and all that kind of stuff, agricultural. So they go from point to point to point to point. They're, they're like snowbirds, right? In the winter, they go south, right? And summer, they come back. They just take their RV down, put it in the park in Florida, right? Sun for down there, and then they come back. So they weren't just veering off the path and just doing their own thing. They were mobile, but they had a, a proper circuit to go through. Jesus has given us instructions on how to live this life in the kingdom. He's the king. He gets to set the rules, okay? And he says, hey, listen, now we go back to this point. If we don't do the things that make him happy, if we don't do things that are pleasing to the king, then we have this mechanism called repentance, right? And we go, oh, man, I messed that up. God, Thank you for your son Jesus' blood that has forgiven me. And you say, well, aren't my sins forgiven already? Yes. Then why do I need to repent? Because it's for you, it's not for him. It doesn't make you saved again. It doesn't make you more saved, right? It's kind of like when you have something on your chest, and we say it in the English, in the, in the Western world, I can't get this off my chest, right? But the more you hold on to that, that's, that's where the enemy gets a foothold, because what does he want to do? He wants to separate you. It says that he comes out like a lion. And everybody goes, ah! And they take off running, right? And he goes, ooh, there's a sick lame and lazy, <laughs> right? Watch, watch National Geographic. Go watch, go, go back. YouTube has got Marlon Perkins, Mucho Omaha, Wild Kingdom, all right? While Jim is wrestling the anaconda, I'm safely above in the helicopter, right? So I used to love that show. Yeah. Yes. Did you say Monty? Who said Monty? Oh, okay. So here's what I'm saying. We've got to be careful that we don't say, well, God's grace is just, let me, let me tell you what happens when we throw out or when we say, well, God's grace just covers everything. And it does. But if we live our lives like that, then we will justify all of our unrighteous actions. Does that make sense? That's why people get messed up in their theology. That's why they're saying, well, I think it's okay to do these things. Well, who died and made you king, <laughs> Right? Right. It gives you the power not to sin. It gives you the power to live the holy life. Right. But we have to rely on it. We have to lean on it. Right. We don't just kind of walk around it or whatever. We've got to. When. Uh, when Isaiah had a vision, he went into the, the, the tabernacle. And he was inside the Holy of Holies. Do you remember what the angel did? He said, woe is me, I'm an unclean man, and I have unclean lips. And what did the angel do? And touched him. Why? Because just before that, the king had gone in and crossed the boundaries, and the priests and stuff were telling him, you've got to get out of here, this is, you, you've overstepped your bounds. And he gets, before he can even get out of there, he gets leprosy. He gets struck down. And we go, see, God is like, wait a minute, the angels that are protecting the presence of God, the seraphim and the cherubim, they're going, here's the rule. God said, here's the rules. If they defame, if they come in, here's the, and they go, okay. And they execute the judgment at that moment, right? Just like I said, when we see the Old Testament scriptures, when we get into, when we get into some of this stuff, some of you guys are going to be swimming like, oh my goodness, where did you get this? Right? I told Sherry, I said, well, we'll either average about 180 on Sunday or 18. <laughs> I 
I think you're ready for it. I think people want to, let, let me just say this, and I won't take too much time. Some of this stuff will help us see what's going on in the world right now. The, phenom- the phenomenons that are going on, okay? The balls of light in the sky, um, um, even AI. Um, what's some of the other things I'm thinking of, huh? Aliens, UFOs. This is going to answer some of those questions. Yes, sir? Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, yeah. <laughs> Reptilian, yeah. You know, it's interesting. I mean, we, we're joking, right? But I'm telling you, there's some, there's some deep holes that you can get into that starts talking about this whole reptilian. When we get into the Nephilims and all this kind of stuff, you're going to be like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. I'm telling you, it, it, it's like what I used to tell y'all. If some people in my life who I respect greatly tell me some of the stories that they tell me, and I go, there ain't no way. My uncle telling me about being in Africa and two witch doctors casting spells on each other, and one of them throw a baby up in the air, cut it in half with a sword. The baby lands on the ground and comes back together. And you guys are looking at me like I'm a Nephilim, okay? And I'm telling you, if he didn't tell me that story, I'd be like, oh, why? Because I didn't see it, okay? Now, we got to be careful because the Bible says we live by faith and not by, by sight, okay? Elisha's a perfect example. Elisha and his servant are hanging out, and the Syrian army completely surrounds them, okay? How many know if it's you and your servant and the the entire Syrian army surround you, it ain't looking too good for you, right? But if you read that story, Elisha kicks back on this tree and props his feet up. And I just see him whip out of his cloak a fingernail file. And he starts going. (laughs) And his servant's going, Elisha, Elisha, look, they're they're camped around. They're all around us. What do we do? What do we do? And he's like, whoa, whoa, hang on. Chill. Look. The host that was, is with us is greater than the host that's with them. And the servant's like, what do you mean? Oh, where did all these people come from? <laughs> he looks up and he sees all of these chariots. Some of them are on fire and these angels. I'm telling you guys, you think you got fat babies and diapers taking care of you, okay? These guys are massive, all right? They're called warring angels for a reason, <laughs> all right? They were, it was crazy, okay? They, let me just say this. They had supernatural powers. You thought Spider-Man was cool? Pew, pew. These guys were cooler, okay? Because they didn't have to go pew to swing. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes, I'm going to leave it there. <laughs> now stop. <laughs> Quit baiting me. <laughs> yes, and we'll get into some of that too. That yes, um, there is some, and we have to go to some historical records to see that, okay? Let me just say this too. Man, I am, I've got, okay, I've got just enough time. When we start talking about some of these things, you've heard me talk about... Um, How many understands and knows that the Ethiopian Bible, which is the oldest known Bible in the world, does not contain 66 books, but it contains 88 books, okay? It contains 88 books, which does include um, the Enochs, the Ezras, Jubilees, um, I can't remember all of them, okay? 
I have one. I'll have to bring it if you want to see it and let you see it. But it's, it's amazing, okay? Now, how many have ever heard about the lost books of the Bible? Anybody? Okay. So um, when we look at these things, um, I want to be careful how I say this because I want to give great respect to the 66 books that we understand as the canonized Bible. But do we know how we got the canonized Bible? Okay? So when they found the scrolls and the first Bibles that were printed were not 66 books. They were 88 to, um, I'm going to get this figure wrong, 95, 96. There were some, some other books in there, okay? And through time, some of them got sorted out because they started saying, hey, this doesn't, this doesn't line up. We're not for sure. We, can, we cannot often uh, authenticate this book, da-da-da, Okay? So about 381, 378, 381, somewhere in there, there was a council. And uh, they began to be anti-Semites at that time. And so they started passing um, very anti-Semitic laws. Hmm. And so they started saying, listen, um, because they couldn't get rid of these books, they kind of banned them in the church is what they did. Okay? So then we move ahead and we go to about uh, 580 something. I'm going to get this figure wrong. Sixth century, okay? We have the Council of Constantinople. At the Council of Constantinople, the Roman Catholic Church said, We're going to decide what books we're going to allow and which ones we are going to reject. They rejected the book of Enoch based on the fact of his proposal of a couple of things. Number one, his separation of devils and demons, okay? We'll get into that later, just not tonight. And also, there was, a, there was a question about one of the verses in Enoch that said he met this angel who had the power to forgive sins. And they said, oh, no way. So they kicked him out. And they said, now we got to get rid of First and Second Peter and Jude too because they quote Enoch. You see where I'm going with this? So there was much discussion, and they decided, no, we'll leave First and Second Peter and Jude in because they're really not quoting Enoch. But I can, I'll bring you the quotes they quoted Enoch. <laughs> okay? And so we have this canonization. Now, here's the thing. People say this all the time. Well, the Bible says you're not supposed to add to or take away. That is exactly right. Yes. But that's what I'm saying. That's right. But what? The 66 books? The word, right? And so here's the thing. I said all that to, to set this thing up to say this. We can look at, and I don't agree. There's, there are some, I, I, some of the books, when I say some of the books, um, Enoch, um, the Ezra's, the Jubilees, some of these, when you read them, you go, okay, I see this, some of this lining up. Now, I will say this in all transparency. If there's ever a conflict between those books and the Bible, I'm always going to go to the 66 book side, okay? I'm going to ask this first question, though. Am I misunderstanding something? Am I misunderstanding the Scripture? For instance, the quote about this angel that forgives sins. I just told you the very first angel. <laughs> Hello? Right? We have a better understanding of that now, right? Okay? So what I'm saying is, is that 
Let's don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. If nothing else, let's at least look at them from a historical point of view. Nobody gets mad when somebody quotes Justin Martyr or Josephus. Josephus was not a Christian. He was a historian who wrote down the things that he saw at that time. Now, we understand this too. People say, well, the, the, the first four books of the gospel, they're not even together. They're different stories. Well, let me ask you a question. Has ever, anybody ever been a witness uh, to an accident or anything like that in court? And so you get three different people up there, and they tell three different stories, but they're all telling the truth. How could that be? Because it was the angle, the perception. Where was I? What happened in that moment of time? Well, Your Honor, no, we saw the red car hit the blue car. And one guy says, yeah, but the first thing that happened was the blue car veered off and hit the red car and caused the red car to come back and hit it. So you're walking, you're doing your own thing, and you're, ah, that moment in time might have been the difference between what people saw, right? So there's no conflating conflicts in these books. It's about, hey, w- what am I bringing? What, what was my eyewitness account, okay? I said all that to say this. Um, Enoch gives us a very intricate um, understanding of some of the time frames that we're missing in the Bible. We do not know how much time is in between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. Okay, so let me, let me challenge you a little bit further. I believe in an absolute six-day creation, right? You're going to make me do this. You did it, Miss Jean. Um, all right. If you have your Bibles, go to Barashit Halif. Oh, that's Genesis. I have to, you guys have to forgive me. I have to use my Hebrew album when you forget it, okay? So it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the water. Bam. In our Western understanding, we see God sitting there, and he goes, poof, and this earth happens, right? But we don't know how much time it took. Now, I'm not saying that I agree with the earth being 65 bajillion years old or anything, Okay? I'm not saying that. But watch what we have to be careful of. Uh, it says, Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. How much time did that take? Let me ask you this. I don't know how much time. It doesn't tell me. It's God's day. Yeah. <clears throat> now, we understand it being a six-day creation, but to your point, is this a thousand years? Is this a day? What is this? Okay? And I'm not trying to challenge you and say, well, it was 6,000 years. It was, I'm saying, don't read with tradition in your mind. You've been taught that it was 24 hours. It, he just said that he divided it in half. He didn't say 12 hours and 12 hours. It's not what this says. Right. I mean, it's okay to say, I don't know. You know why it's okay to say that? Because God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm okay if you don't completely understand that it was a 24-hour day. If you want to say, no, no, brother, I am convinced it's 24. Good for you. I love you. (laughs) I'm not going to argue it with you, right? 
There again, does this change your position of salvation if it's 24 hours or if it's not? So why do we semantically argue over some of these things? No. Good point. So if we start going down and we start reading how all these things came about, we go, oh, we start seeing some things that maybe aren't there. And we go, oh, wait a minute. Maybe I've been reading the Bible traditionally based on how I was taught. Don't get me wrong. Your grandma wasn't a bad lady. Your grandpa wasn't a bad dude. Okay? Listen, can I tell you this? I'm going to get emotional. So, um, a couple of my kids came and said to me, said, Dad, we've never heard you preach like this before. Where was this? And at first it wounded me, like, oh, I've, I've let you down. But, but I, I didn't see that as them being upset with me, if you catch me, Okay. I'm like everybody else. I'm growing. I'm maturing. We're coming into understanding. Information is becoming more and more available to us, right? Listen, 15 years ago, if I'd have told you, have you heard of the Nephilims? They would have kicked us out on our ears. Even though... Genesis 6 talks about, verse 4, in those days and for sometimes after giant Nephilims lived on the earth. It's right there. The only thing I can say is good is that for about six months now, six, eight months, everything that I have been preaching, when I turn on the radio, when I turn on one of the preachers I want to listen to, when I get a YouTube video, it's talking about virtually the same thing. And I'm saying, God, thank you. Number one, that I'm not the only one that's out here. And, and when I say that, that's going to sound very like I'm the only one. No, I'm thinking, I'm saying, God... Because I need to know that I'm hearing your voice and you, you must have a mouthpiece that's you're wanting, you're wanting people to know this stuff, okay? Let me just say this. When we start getting into, I'm going I'm to close right here. When we start getting into the Nephilim and things like that, this is going to help you be prepared for when you see things in the skies and you see signs and you see wonders and you're going to be able to discern and say, no, wait a minute. This is not what the scripture is. This is what the scripture says. This, that's why God wants you to know that this is what we need to be talking about right now, okay? And even the angels. I'm telling you, as I started this deep dive into this whole deal, this has exploded my revelation of understanding. Psalms 91, he has given his angels charge over you. There is a host of angels. They have specific jobs. And I can't, I'll have to go back to my notes and, and look. Um, but I know that Raphael is the angel of healing. He ministers healing, and it's not just him. He's an archangel that has all of these angels underneath him, okay? Uriel, I believe, is the one that's in charge of the elements, the, the wind, the water. See, we fight about these things too, okay? Let me say this. We see a tornado come up. We say it couldn't possibly be from God. There are times that, that God uses um, events to do certain things. He doesn't ever destroy anything, Okay? But let me say this, like Uriel, is, is, uh, one of his deals is the wind, okay? In the Six-Day War, an Israeli tank found itself surrounded by Syrian tanks, and it knew it was six and to get killed, okay, and all the men in the tank. 
So they begin to make last preparations, if you will, last stand. A wind came up out of nowhere and engulfed them, and it caused a sand cloud to come up that hid them from the enemy. The uniqueness was they could see the enemy, but the enemy couldn't see them. And so they went, boom, boom, and they defeated every one of those tanks around them. And when they shot the last one, the wind went away. Don't tell me that's the devil, okay? But when a wind comes up and destroys your roof or topples trees and causes all kinds of destruction, don't tell me that's an act of God. Understand that there are angels that are warring, <laughs> and you just can't see them, okay? Because go back to Elisha. When he's in this predicament, his servant sees them, okay? They didn't just pop up. They weren't like, we're invisible, see us. They were there the whole time. The servant's eyes was open so he could see into the extra-dimensional area where these angels rule and reign and stuff. And he goes, oh, where do these things come from? I told you, if my uncle didn't tell me these stories, I'd be like, come on. In Africa, they, the Lord wakes them up at 2 o'clock in the morning. We say the Lord. Who is it? It's his angels, right? And they, they wake them up and they say, hey, you got to pray. So they do. They start praying. They don't know what they're praying about, but they're praying. Praying in tongues, whole nine yards. They pray until they feel a release and they go back to bed. They get up the next morning and the neighboring village chief is there with all of his warriors. They're all painted up. And so that village chief goes out and says, what's the deal? They said, last night we came to wipe you out. And we want to know, where did you get the warriors that had the swords that were on fire? At 2 o'clock in the morning. He has given his angels charge over you. We need to be aware of what is going on. Yes. Here we go. Yeah. And here's the thing. We have categorized angels as angels. They're not. You have, you have ministering angels. You have ministering. You have messenger angels. You have warring angels. Different jobs. And we've lumped every one of them into just one clump, right? Like it's this big, disorganized, chaotic mess. Daniel 7 talks about that he saw thousands of thousands, ten thousands times ten thousands of angels in this massive host of angels, if you will. Yes. You've got the Tower of Babel. Generally speaking, we're going to find this out. Uh, angels can appear as men. Uh, there's one, uh, the couple of guys that have written some of these articles that believe that actually uh, these, there are certain angels that their appearance is man, and it's odd for them to change into something else. Okay? Entertaining angels. Yes. So, remember, good and bad, right? So you've got angels doing this. You've got demons doing this. Okay, so, and then you have angels that, that can um, go between extra dimensional, you know, layers, so to speak, and can change into different things and all that kind of stuff. I mean, um, you've got winged ones, you've got, I mean, it, it, gets, it gets crazy, okay? It's good crazy. Yeah, you have, this, you have the, now there again, in some of this stuff, it's not exacting, okay? So, um, 
remember we had the seven seals that we talked about in the marriage. So there are seven archangels. And those angels are in charge of blowing the seven trumpets at the end of Revelation, right? Or during that, that time frame. Um, who's coming back with God to exact vengeance and judgment and all that stuff? It's the angel host. Guess what? Some of us are going to be there, right? Um, I mean, it's, it's incredible. And we need to give this thing our thought because it, it brings to light a whole new arena of understanding Scripture. Okay? Why, where did the devil come from? How did this happen? All, all kinds of things like this. Okay? So, um, so righteousness, unrighteousness. Um, if you take anything away from this, just know this, that if you are saved, if you call yourself a Christian, we should be striving to live righteous and in pure holiness. And what I mean by that, we should be striving to do what the scriptures tell us to do and striving to not do what it tells us not to do, right? And, it's, and when I say striving, I'm not talking about a negative word, strife. I'm talking about we should be, Mark said, or Mark, Paul says, I press forward towards the mark of perfection. I'm, I'm aiming for it. I may miss it. I may not get there yet, but I'm, that's where I'm looking at, right? You would not be a very good marksman if you held your gun or your arrow and, and the, the target was in front of you and you started over here. People would be like ducking, right? You, you, you've got to aim where you want that thing to go. You've got to aim your life. Okay, Lord. And sometimes I think we get um, hasty and we want to fix everything at one time. Pick something, right? Holy Spirit, if you had one thing that you could, you know, make corrections in me, what would it be? Let him speak to you. Hey, listen, I really want to deal with this one thing. Because I think if you deal with this one thing, these other two things or whatever may get solved, right? I say that like, like the Holy Spirit's guessing, right? He didn't have to guess. He knows. But I'm just saying, do we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit like that? Do we say, okay, Lord, David said, creating me a clean heart, oh God, right? I'm open up. I'm, I allow you to talk to me. I allow you to speak to me, whatever it may be. Amen? All right, let's pray. We'll make you girls pray. Y'all need it. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that we can come together. We can study your word. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us um, your spirit. You have said that you have given us your mind, Father, that we can rely on that. So, Father, we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we say yes. We want your mind. We want wisdom. Your word says that if we lack wisdom, that we can ask for it and that you give it to us. So, Father, we're asking that by the power of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you examine us. If there be fault, if there be things that are not pleasing to the Father, show us. We want to know. We want to be prepared. We want to be ready. We want to be the bride that has kept her wick trimmed and her lamp on. Father, we just thank you for watching over us, for, for setting this thing in motion. Father, we thank you for the angelic host that you have given charge over us. We thank you, Lord, that, um, that we can be in a place that we can lay our heads down and not worry about what's going on around us. Father, help us to see what's actually going on in the world, in the, in the spirit realm. Give us eyes to see. Lord, let us be careful of how we ask for that. If, oh, Father, I just, I just thank you right now, Lord. You are so merciful and you are so kind. We love you and we give you praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah.